Greetings, book lovers everywhere. I'm E-Train and welcome to E-Train Talks. Today, I'm joined by award-winning author Terry C. Jennings. Terry writes children's fiction, nonfiction, and fact-based fiction. She also writes for various educational outlets, including the Smithsonian Science and, Technolo Science and Technology, and is represented by Natalie Lacosal of Irene Goodman Literary. As you can tell, Terry C. Jennings is so accomplished and contributes greatly to the writing community. Aside from being an author, Terry is an avid reader, traveler, and lifelong learner. I'm so excited to talk with her today because we're talking about Terry's recent novel, which came out in January, published by Little Bee Books, Polly Murray, The Life of a Pioneering Feminist and Civil Rights Activist. It's such a powerful biography in verse, and I loved it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Terry. It's such an honor to have you on my podcast. Oh, E, it's my honor to be here. I am really touched that you're that you're having me and by what you're doing. I am delighted and thank you for the kind words about uh, the Polly Murray book. This was a um, a work of love. Uh, I know everybody says that about their books, um, but I start, it, it's been in the works probably since 2012. Wow. So it's it's been with me. I've been with Polly for a long time, and thank you for uh, for all the kind words. I sure appreciate you. And have, you're having me on your podcast. Well, I appreciate you being here. I'm just so thrilled to learn more about your writing and the story behind Polly Murray, the life of a pioneering feminist and civil rights activist. So my first question is from your novel, I learned that Polly Murray was a very talented poet and had a beautiful way with words. Is that why you chose to write Polly's story in verse? Oh, you know what? That would have that that was probably a reason why not to write it because she was so accomplished and and such a beautiful beautiful writer and it was scary to do an inverse, and you know sometimes you think oh gosh this is just going to happen this way this is the way it has to be you know something comes from above and tells you to do it inverse, that was not a, the way it was for this. It, I I worked really really hard on this. I tried doing writing a picture book uh, biography, uh, not in verse, not rhyming. Uh, I tried doing several of them and they didn't work. I tried doing a prose biography, a couple of them, and nothing seemed to work. But there were all these phrases, all these little things, all these um, things about Polly Murray, about her heart that kept rolling around in my head. And so when I started saying, okay, let me see if I can do this in verse. Let me see how this could work. And when that happened, when I started writing it in verse, then, um, then it started working because I think that she was such a, a human being that felt so much. She felt so deeply that the only way to get to her heart was through uh, through verse, but it was really daunting uh, because she was, like you said, a wonderful poet, and and there you know there was no way that I could be her equal, uh, and I didn't try, um, we didn't try, but but it really worked. Now one other thing that made it that made me want to do it in verse is because there's so much about Polly Murray, and it would be a long work. We had to cover a lot because she was so impactful in so many ways. Uh, and I wanted to reach young readers. And uh, I think verse, by shortening it, by giving you short bursts of information, makes it a lot more accessible to young readers. And uh, 
it took Rosita and I a good amount of, of time to convince our agent that uh, verse was the, the way to go. But thank goodness we did find a, uh, an editor, Courtney Fahey at, at Little B, who, who loved the idea of verse, and she went with us. Well, I'm so glad that you trusted the process and didn't give up. You worked with um, Rosita for so long. Just there are so many different aspects of Polly Murray that you want. And like um, you tried prose, you tried picture books, but nothing worked and you found verse. And I think that's just so important to um, avid readers, like people who aspire to become authors, just trust the process and never give up. Exactly, exactly. You can't give up if you, and I, I think, Polly Murray was a story that needed to be told mm -hmm. ever since I've met her, you know, met in quotes in 2012. Um, I, I won, you know, I knew that hers was a story that needed to be told. So yeah, you can't give up. You can't. And I'm so glad that you didn't give up because Polly Murray, the life of a pioneering feminist and civil rights activist, I think it, um, Polly's story just fits perfectly in verse. You found the right story style and it really works out because I know so many people just love novels and verse, books like Starfish, The Road to Actor. Right. They're all so meaningful. And verse, um, Polly lived such a meaningful life and she was so powerful. So I think her life really fits into the verse style. It did. It did. I agree with you. So your novel shared so much important information about Polly Murray's life, information that I'm so grateful that you shared. What resources did you use to research Polly Murray's story? Um, well, she was she was a prolific writer. So, um, you know, I think I read everything that she wrote. Uh, she wrote an autobiography. She wrote a book called Proud Shoes, which was the story of her family. But it was not only the story of her family, but um, she meant it to be the story of Black Americans everywhere from the time that they came from Africa, because when she was in school, nobody, nobody, but nobody had um, taught her the history of Black Americans in the United States. And that was a lack that she felt and she wanted, she started wanting to do it for her, for her kids, for her grandkids, I mean, nieces, like Rosita, but she ended up doing it, it doing it uh, for everybody. It ended up being a, um, an epic of Black Americans. And I don't know, I, I'm going to mention uh, Alex Haley, who wrote the book Roots, and there was a big a program about it, a, um, a TV series, one of the first TV series, and it was very powerful. But by golly, he took her lead. You know, she was there first, and she did it first. So I, I read um, her autobiography, I read Proud Shoes, I read her poetry. I, she was a prolific newspaper uh, article writer. Every time she saw something wrong, she would um, write about it. She would say, hey, we got to do something about this. I read all those articles. I read her legal opinions. Um, I also read uh, collections of her letters. She wrote um, a lot to Eleanor Roosevelt. And there's a book called The Firebrand and the First Lady. And imagine this young black kid becoming friends with Eleanor Roosevelt, the first lady of the United States. And she would say, wait a minute, you know, 
Franklin, President Roosevelt can't do this because this is what it's doing to African-Americans. This is what it's doing to black people. She would not, by the way, she would not have said black. She preferred the term Negro, but I'm gonna use black because I believe that that's, that's, where we, uh, that's where we are. But she actually preferred the word Negro with a capital N. Um, but yeah, we had, um, you know, she was friends with Eleanor Roosevelt. She went to Eleanor Roosevelt's home. Uh, they had tea. They, you know, Eleanor invited her to come to her house and, and she would get, Polly would get a read if there was somebody that, she, that Eleanor wanted to know. Uh, she would ask Polly, um, you know, ask her for dinner and say, so what did you think about that person? And Polly would say, well, you know, they didn't seem to be very genuine to me. And they would, they would discuss somebody. So it was that kind of relation, that kind of impact that she had in history. Um, she also had letters with uh, Caroline Ware, who was her teacher at Howard University. And then um, I read other biographies of her, many, many books about her. I, I looked at myself getting ready for this and I had 25 books in print. That doesn't count all the stuff that I looked online. But you know what the most important, the best, the funnest, one of those things that gives you goosebumps? It was when I went to Boston to the Radcliffe Library, to the uh, Schlesinger Library at Radcliffe and got her papers. And I touched the letters that she touched and I saw the notes that she wrote. And oh my goodness, that was the most amazing thing. I, I couldn't. Um, it, it was one of those moments that is a highlight of your career, maybe even a highlight of your life. I found through the, her notes that were not in any of her books about the struggles that she had with gender identification and the notes that she wrote about trying to find treatments. Um, I think if the technology had been available then, um, probably might have tried to transition. I, 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 I honestly believe that. Um, you know, I don't have anything that says that, but she did try um, to find things. She did try to find out why it was that she felt like a man trapped in a woman's body. That's her quote. That's her quote. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think that um, the most important part of my research was the actual touching, the actual things that she wrote. But yeah, but I did so much research. I mean, years and years of it. Wow. Just like what I said um, in response to your last answer, it's just never giving up. And I, I can't, I just don't know, if, like, I can understand that feeling. You're touching, like, one of your hero's letters, and that just seems like such a surreal moment. Like, you're touching what Polly Murray wrote. I think that just sounds so surreal and just kind of inspiring that if you keep learning, if you keep working hard, you're going to achieve your goals. And now you basically you're kind of touching a piece of history. So that's just wow. I it must yeah. have been such a surreal experience. Absolutely. Touching a piece of history and touching a piece of her. That's exactly what it was. So on to my next question. And I know currently you're just you're giving me such great answers. Like <laughs> I don't know how I can um, just respond to them because your answers are just so intelligent. And like, it feels like you've already prepared a lot for this interview and that, 
and you're wow your words are so inspiring just of course why how could i not prepare you are going through all this trouble and having me of course i'm going to prepare thank, thank you thank you for coming and your answers they're just very meaningful and speaking of why did you decide to write about Polly Murray? And in what ways does Polly's story inspire you? Okay, so I, I met, again, the, the quotes, I met Polly when I was writing a book about feminism. It's called The Women's Liberation Movement from 1960 to 1990. Mm -hmm. And um, women owe the rights that we have in the workplace today to Polly Murray. Mm -hmm. uh, in 1964, um, Congress was was poised to um, to pass the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which would give equal pay for equal work for black men. And Polly Murray said, well, probably she said something even, you know, like some kind of, well, she, probably, she may not have said a curse word, but anyway, I would have said like, right, yeah, you can't just talk about black men. And what she said, she started writing, of course. And what she said was, look, guys, uh, because most of those congressmen uh, were guys, um, if, you, if, you if you give black men equality, you're only affecting five to 8% of the population. I think it was five. I'm gonna be generous and say even, you know, as much as 8%, but she said, if you give women and black men the right to have equal pay for equal work, you're affecting more than 50%, like 55% of the population. And remember that black women are the ones that need the equality because they're the ones who are the mothers, they're the ones who are heads of families. And um, she wrote so eloquently and she wrote, and, and she had so many proofs um, and she said that um, what she called Jane Crow, which was um, the, the other side of the coin of Jim Crow, but against mm -hmm. women, she said that Jane Crow was exactly, was just another kind of uh, racial discrimination. Gender discrimination was the same, had the same effect as, um, as uh, racial discrimination. So when I met her and, and she was so, so, so important, I began to read more about her because, you know, and, and I think I know that you want to be a writer and, and when you are a writer and you're a nonfiction writer, you get an idea about somebody and you go, oh, maybe I need to find out more about them. Maybe there's a book in there somewhere. And Polly Murray was just crying to be written about. And so I, um, I said, I'm, I'm going to start reading. So as I was doing other, other work, I started reading, uh, reading more about her. And I wanted to write about her as a feminist. Uh, and I thought there would be so much about her. And there I was. Uh, not to say anything about the fact that, I mean, there was gobs and gobs of stuff about her as a feminist. But it turns out that she was equally as important uh, in the civil rights movement. And that wasn't evident to me when I first started researching the, um, the uh, Women's Liberation book. And uh, what was so 
also amazing about her was that she was the one that came up with the idea that one Brown versus Board of Education and Brown versus Board of Education was the case that ended uh, school discrimination in schools, segregation in schools that ended that. Well, she came up with the idea and she gave it to uh, her professors at Howard University who actually laughed at her because she said it was, you know, that you should base the case on the 14th Amendment. Well, danged if 10 years later, they didn't use that, not only her idea, but her work, and they won the case and nobody gave her credit and nobody said anything about it. Nobody even told her. She didn't even find out until 10 years later wow. that it was uh, her work that had been the basis for that case. Uh, you know, lawyers, when they do something, they can, they can uh, give credit. Ruth Bader Ginsburg gave Polly credit for that idea for using the 14th Amendment in her mm -hmm. Reed versus Reed Supreme Court victory. She said, thank you. And you know, she put it right there on the front page. They could have done the same thing. It wouldn't have taken anything away from them. But um, you know, it was, um, I don't, women were not thought of as well at, at the time. And it just, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It was such a monumental piece of work and a monumental um, piece of thinking and, and, and strategy that she came up with that I'm, I'm just very surprised that nobody uh, gave her credit. But anyway, when I started reading about her, I noticed that there were no books about her for young readers. So I just read and read and read. And the more that I read, um, the more that I like her. And uh, she always, what inspired me to, to write um, about her is that she always spoke against injustice. She saw something that was wrong and she tried to do something about it. Often at, at, at great personal cost. So um, she was truly a human that who changed the world for the better. And that's why I wanted to write about her. Well, it certainly sounds like she did. She changed the world for the better. And I think it's, I think there needs to be more stories about Pauline Murray. Like you found a lot of resources about her as a feminist, but there's so much more to Pauline Murray than just her feminism. She, she did so much to help people. Like she was kind of a superhero at heart because mm -hmm. she spoke out whenever she saw injustice. And I think that's just so inspiring. And I certainly would want to write about Polly Murray if I had discovered her. I, like, I'd want to write everything about her, read every single story about Polly Murray. Unfortunately, there aren't enough for young readers. But when I found your story, I had to read it. Good. So I'm just so glad that you wrote about Polly Murray. I, I didn't even know anything about her until I read your novel in verse. And... I'm just, I, that's just horrible. There needs to be more about Polly Murray. Um, but I'm still, I'm just grateful that I found your book and, I, and that there are some resources for young readers about Polly Murray now because her story, it deserves to be told. It does deserve to be told. And, you know, uh, you're not the only one that had never heard about Polly Murray. Most adults, black or white have not heard about Polly Murray. That's, that's the biggest thing that I get on Twitter and on, you know, when you, you talk to people, um, very few people knew about Polly Murray. She was, she was a doer, but she never got credit. 
and she didn't ask for the credit to to yeah. her you know credit to her because she was not that kind of person she wanted to do the work and that was fine that was rewarding enough for her yeah just doing good was enough for her mm-hmm. that's that's just she had such a great heart and she she was in it for the right reasons she was a civil rights activist a feminist all of the amazing qualities that she possessed she she wasn't in it for any of the credit. She was in it just to do good. She was a good person. She was a great person. And I'm just, yeah. and I fe- I think that she'd be honored that you wrote about her because Polly, uh, her story, you wrote it beautifully. And, and I saw in the back of your book that there were so many resources that you used to discover more about Polly Murray. You, you had a serious, you were seriously dedicated and that's just so great. You need to be dedicated as a writer, and you were certainly dedicated. Yep, you can you can tell you can tell a lot about by uh, about a book by the bibliography, right? Yeah. You can tell a lot about the writer by the bibliography. Yes, you definitely can. And there were like over two pages of links and websites and books. You just you were all in. You you were basically the definition of who I want to be as a writer. I want to look on. I look on every single website, Wikipedia, just so many, and every single book, read every book in the library about the literary character that I want to write about. You're, you're the definition of the kind of author I want, I want to be. Well, thank you. I'm, that makes me feel very proud. Thank you. And I just find it so fascinating and, fascinating and interesting that Polly Murray's niece, Rosita Stevens Holsey, co-authored Polly Murray, The Life of a Pioneering Feminist and Civil Rights Activist. Would you share when and how you first met Rosita and tell us a little bit about your experience writing and talking with her about about Pauline Murray? Okay, now that's a very interesting story um, because I told you I started working on this book in 2012 and uh, and there were many iterations. There were many failures. Um, I knew that I could write well as uh, about Polly as a feminist and as a poet and even as a lawyer. I also knew that I could never capture um, Polly Murray as an African-American, as a member of her race. Uh, I wanted to reach out to her family in hopes that someone would collaborate with me and also in hopes that I would fill in more about Polly Murray as a human being, as a child, as what was he, what do you remember about her? Because um, even if you write, all of us write about um, write our biography, there are things that we're gonna leave out because they're uncomfortable for us. There are things that we're going to um, remember one way and shade this way and shade that way. So I wanted to talk to her family, just like I didn't just take her word for everything. I always went to other biographies to find out what other people had written and I found her other letters. Always corroborate what you have. And I wanted to corroborate that her personal life with a member of her family. I tried to contact, uh, there's the Polly Murray Foundation, mm-hmm. and uh, I tried to contact them, but I was not successful. But one day, um, I did contact the Polly Murray Center, and I talked to, um, to uh, Barbara Lau, who was the, or is still, the, um, the uh, head of the center. And uh, she, one day, she sent me a, um, an invitation to a play 
put on at Howard University. I live right outside of Washington, D.C., and Howard University is in Washington, D.C., and they were putting on a play about Pauli Murray. And of course, I wanted to see it. Uh, and um, But it was there was a double reason there, because I thought, you know what? I wonder if somebody's going to be there who knows somebody who knows somebody <laughs> who could put me in touch with the family. So I went real early and um, I took, you know, I took a couple, my husband and a couple of friends and we all went and it was in the chapel. And um, so I started cruising, trying to see if I could find any members of the family. And by golly, when I got to the front of the chapel, there's this couple of pews that say reserved for Polly Murray family, bingo. I was in, I was in luck. So I started stalking those pews until they came. And then when they came, I introduced myself and Rosita. And I said, I'm, I'm working on a book about Polly Murray and I'd love to talk to one or all of you and work with you uh, on this book. And Rosita uh, raised her hand and she is, she's a teacher. She actually, she just retired being a teacher. Uh, and, and so, and she's been wanting to lift up Polly Murray's name, her aunt's name, um, to make sure that everybody knows about it. So, you know, it was kind of like a match made in heaven. And, um, so we would work, uh, the way we worked together, we did a lot of, we, we kind of started, so I had all my research. I had done all these things that were bad, that didn't, didn't work. And so then we started with a mission, you know, what was our mission? What did we want to do? We came up with an outline together. Um, then I, uh, she talked to her cousins. We spent a week together. You know, she came over to my house and we sat on the porch and we, we worked together. We, it was Polly Murray from morning till night. And she talked to, she called her cousins and she would be talking to her cousins and I would be listening in. And um, so I learned a lot from her through that. Uh, and I learned a lot about Polly from their family. So then uh, I would write and then send to her and she would, you know, she would say, yeah, no, uh, let's change this, let's change that. She would add things. And there's a there's a place and and this is so small, but it's one of those things that I would have never thought about. There's a place in which in the book in which she says um, Polly Murray is in a bus and the seat in in Virginia, my state, and uh, she's riding in the back of the bus and the back the seat in the back of the bus is broken, and so she refuses to sit there because the seat is broken. And so I go, you know, I do write all that stuff. And Rosita says, you know, she paid the same as everybody else. Of course she paid the same as everybody else. I would not ever have even thought of that. You know, it's just like, because um, you haven't been in those shoes. So um, it, 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 was, it was great. So we, we worked together. It was very collaborative. Uh, lots of conversations and lots of um, going back and forth. And, you know, I, I, I'm Cuban, so my English is not the greatest. So it was really good to have a teacher looking behind me right after I wrote things. Uh, so it was great. I think what we came up with um, together was, was very good. 
and it really was good. Polly Murray's story, like you and Rosita, you made a great team. And the creation of Polly Murray, Life of a Pioneering Feminist and Civil Rights Activist, it was really a team effort. And like, it's always great to have somebody in your corner, like, or maybe when you're having trouble, just somebody right by you, right by your side, just giving you advice and helping you. So right. I think that Polly Murray's story, like, you can't, no, just one person can't write that story. You need more people. You need a team. Um, and you, you had the perfect team. And I think that Polly Murray's story is perfect. Like everything about it from the writing style to the information that you added, I think it's just a perfect story. Your answers are just so inspiring. And I'm, I'm just, I just feel so honored to chat with you. And um, I'm just excited to learn more. And that leads me to my next question. What's the most important message you'd like readers to take away from Polly Murray, the life of a pioneering feminist and civil rights activist? Okay. I really thought about this one, E. And I'm going to get technical here, but this is so, so important. Polly Murray believed in the 14th Amendment. Mm -hmm. The 14th Amendment says that Everyone has the right to equal protection of the laws. Everyone must be equal before the law. So let's say, for instance, that the polls uh, stay open only until five o'clock so that people who have to work late, like people of color, like Cuban people, like me, and like, you know, people who have to work two jobs, um, they will not be able to get to the polls if the polls close early and if there's no absentee voting or there's no mail-in voting. So that means that those people are not getting uh, treated equally before the law. They're not being protected equally by the law. So there's a lot going on right now that is, that is, um, forgetting the 14th Amendment or overriding the 14th Amendment, right? Um, we're, you know, this is Pride Month. Uh, everyone must have protection before the law because uh, civil unions must be recognized as legally binding so that someone can, can speak for their partner when they're ill or someone can make a decision on the on a contract or you know um it is very important that we not forget the power and the rights that we are given under the 14th amendment and so that means that regardless of how hard it is to vote and when you get to vote we must all vote to get people in the in the chairs that make the laws into the Senate, into the House, into the local legislature, the state legislatures, people who understand the importance of the 14th Amendment, people who understand the importance of equal protection under the law. And that's Polly Mary's message. So yeah, um, the message of equality, social justice, that's really relayed in Polly Murray, the life of a pioneering feminist and civil rights activist. Um, and I'm just so thankful I had the, I've had the opportunity to read about the inspiring life of Polly Murray. And I truly hope that her story gets shared in all the history books. And what are some ways that students and kids like me or people of all ages can share Polly Murray's story? And what do you, what do you want to see happen in the future? 
I would love to see um, Polly Murray in the uh, in schools. I would love to see Polly Murray read by all young, you know, all young children, um, all all young readers. Um, this book, I think, is accessible. It's good. I think adults can read this book. E. I really do. So I think that middle school uh, students and high school students can read this book, and I think that fourth, fifth, sixth graders can read this book. So I hope that um, many, many, many of them do and that word gets passed around about Polly Murray and that um, they learn about her through the book and through other, and through other, uh, through other ways. Um, I am uh, on my end, I'm trying to go to festivals and library association meetings and uh, I'm going to be at the ALA, American Library Association, meeting with Polly, bringing Polly, Rosita, and I will be there, and, you know, bringing Polly to librarians. I'm in Virginia, so I'm going to the Virginia Association of School Librarians and bringing Polly. So um, I'm trying to, I hope to do author visits, um, but so I'm, I'm trying to bring Polly into, into the light and doing my, my best and, and you by doing this uh, podcast are, you know, are helping me with that. If you could be or meet any literary character, fictional or real, who would you want to meet and why? Oh, I would want to meet Lyra Silverton from The Golden Compass. I just think she is an amazing character. Um, um, Philip Pullman was another one of the authors that I went to school on because he writes such wonderful series. And when I was writing my series, I reread his over and over again. And I think I was using that as an excuse because I love his writing so much. I, I, I think I probably <laughs> read more than I needed to, but, uh, but I, I, she, she just, and she has grown, uh, through the series. Uh, it's, it's just a, she's just a very, um, she's flawed. She's, um, you know, she's good. She's got a good heart, but she always gets in trouble. And, and, um, and, and she is flawed and, but then she still manages to do the right thing. So um, yeah, Lyra Silvertongue would be, would be my uh, all-time favorite. Second would be, and I don't think I can tell you the name of the girl, but who was, you know, Winn-Dixie, because of Winn-Dixie is one of my favorite books. Um, and I, you know, that's one of those books that tugs at your heart. And you would think that I would remember the girl's name, but I'm old and I forget everything. So I've forgotten her. And uh, who else? Uh, Hugo. Hugo. Um, the, the Invention of Hugo Cabret. Oh, I love him too. So there's so many. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Now, when I was a kid, 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 I read a lot of Jules Verne. And I let a, read a lot and I would have loved to back then I would have loved to have talked to him um, because his adventures are so magnificent, such epic things. So I love them. Well, I know um, you ne there's never like too much reading of a good book. You just right. have to remember that you always have to remember like there's no such thing as too much reading. Like I could read for 24 hours straight. Um, there's never, there's no such thing. So never get that thought, put that thought into your head. All right. And Jules Verne and all the authors and characters that you've mentioned, I've heard a lot about them. And I just, well, you, I mean, I obviously, cause I read so much. I, I also have 
um, a lot of characters that I'd want to meet, both fictional and real. And I think Jules Verne would probably be one that I'd like to meet as well. Like, how do you come up with such thrilling tales, epic tales, like 30,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Like, his stories were ahead of his time. And I think that's just, Absolutely. like, can you see the future, Jules Verne? Like, right. yeah, I think he did. He did. Yeah. He, that, was, that was just a very amazing um, amazing thing. And in, in one respect, you, you might want to call it science fiction, but it wasn't. Yeah. Um, you know, when he wrote about submarines, I, I think there were submarines because there were submarines during the Civil War. So yeah, and it was, he, he was way ahead of his time and, and, and his adventures were gripping. Uh, you were. Know, and, and I'd read them over and over and over again. And I, I, I haven't read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea or any of his books yet. I need to read them. Like my parents have told me about them. And a yeah. lot of my favorite books are inspired by his tales. So right. I read right. like also like books like Daughter of the Deep, like Rick Riordan. He's so big, but he's inspired oh, by Jules Verne. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, Jules and Jules Verne, Rick Riordan, like all of my, like so many great authors, they're ahead of their time and their stories, they're just tales that I want to read over and over and over again. And I don't care what anybody tells me. And I, you need to remember, everybody needs to remember, there's no such thing as too much reading. Absolutely. And it's just been such a pleasure speaking with you today, Terry. Oh, he, it has been wonderful. Thank you so much. And I wish you the best and I'm happy happy to to talk to you anytime I, I wish you the best you're doing you you're doing great work thank you and I'd love to talk with you anytime and I'm going to keep following your social media and all the work that you do as a writer I'm just so grateful to have had the opportunity to read about the life of Polly Murray and I'm just so proud to share what I've learned with others in the hopes that Polly Murray will one day get the recognition she so greatly deserves and to all of you listening I highly recommend reading Polly Murray, The Life of a Pioneering Feminist and Civil Rights Activist to learn more about all of her incredible contributions to this world. And feel free to listen to my book review of the Polly Murray story. And even better, order your own copy of Terry's book on my website at eTrainTalks.com. All proceeds go to promoting literacy and also sharing Polly Murray's story because it deserves to be shared as I've said many times. And once again, I've just talked with Terry C. Jennings, the author of Polly Murray, The Life of a Pioneering Feminist and Civil Rights Activist. You can follow Terry C. Jennings' writing journey on social media and her website. You can read all about her story, all about her, and just about Terry C. Jennings on her website. And check out the link in the description of the podcast and YouTube channel for more info on Terry C. Jennings and her writing journey. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.